This week's Parsha is a double Parsha, Parsha's Tazriya and Mitzvah, that deals with the concept of the mitzvahs related to leprosy. Um, there was a type of leprosy that's not a regular sickness, but some type of an ailment that would affect a person uh, more for spiritual reasons than for physical ones. And when a person had that type of leprosy, there's different types of it, there's a whole um, a whole order of halachas in the Torah of how it should be dealt with and when is one considered pure or impure, and if they are impure, how do they become pure? And that is the primary topic in this double parsha of Tazriya and Mitzrayim. Now, about leprosy, there's a very famous and very bizarre um, story or telling in the Gemara. And the Gemara goes as follows. It says that the halacha is that there's two primary signs for impurity in leprosy. One sign is that there has to be a part of the skin that turns white or, um, or, or discolored in different types of discolors, which would make it impure. And the other is that there has to be a hair in that skin that turns white as well. Now, says the Gemara, that if the skin becomes discolored first and then one grows or a hair there turns white, then one is impure. If the white hair preceded the discoloration of the skin, then one is pure. In other words, the only way that one becomes impure is if first there is, this, there, there is the discoloration of the skin and then there is the white hair. Vice versa, if first you have the white hair and then the discoloration of the skin, then one remains pure. What if it's a suffix? What if it's not clear? We're in doubt. We don't know what came first. Uh, did the discoloration of the skin come first um, and then the hair? So then we then it would be impure. Or did the opposite happen? Was there first the here, the white here, and then the discoloration? So there's a suffix. What if when in doubt, what's the halacha, what's the ruling? So the Gemara tells us that there's a debate in heaven. There is what's called the Mesifta Dirakia, which literally means the heavenly house of study, where the angels and the souls study Torah. And the Mesifta Dirakia take a look, took a look at this case and they felt that it would be impure. But then it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God himself, he said, no, it's pure. And we have this, again, very strange debate between God and his own celestial study house of angels. Um, and there's this debate, should it be pure or not? And the Gemara says that they could not uh, resolve the debate. And they said, okay, who is a great sage down on earth who is an expert in this subject? And we'll ask his opinion and he'll rule. And they said that on earth there was the sage Rabbah. Rabbah is one of the great sages of the Talmud, mentioned throughout the Talmud, uh, many, many times, thousands of times probably. Um, and they say, Rabbah is this great sage, he should be able to rule. And the Gemara relates, very fascinating, that that's actually the time when Rabbah passed away, because he was needed in heaven to rule on this question. Um, and therefore it says they sent the messenger, which is the Malach HaMavis, the messenger of death. The messenger of death was not able to approach him because he was so holy, he was so involved in terror study, um, and therefore he had to create some level of diversion. At the end, Rabbah did pass away, and as he was passing away, he said, Tahor, Tahor, he ruled that this case would be pure which means that he really ruled with God against the heavenly house of study. That is the story the way the Talmud tells it to us. Now, and of course, the story is strange on many levels, and I'm not going to deal with all the angles of it, but the, the obvious question is, um, if there is this debate in heaven, and if God himself has one opinion, why are they going to earth to find a, um, 
a resolution to this debate from an earthly scholar? And the simple answer to that is based on another concept that we have, that Torah was given down to this world so that we should use our minds and based on the principles of Torah, based on the rulings of Torah, we have the um, authority and the right to, and the mandate to rule based on the way we understand Torah down here. The giving of Torah is called Matan Torah, the gift of Torah, because God gifted Torah down here so that really heavenly resolutions don't have halachic um, import. They don't impact the halacha because Torah was given that the halacha should be decided in the scholarly courts of this world. Um, there's another also famous and beautiful story in the Talmud which talks about a debate between the great Rabbi Eliezer, one of the sages of the Mishnah, one of the greatest sages of the Mishnah, with the sages, and they were debating a totally different halacha, and this and Rabbi Eliezer felt he was right, and Rabbi Eliezer, being a tremendous tzaddik, was invoking divine proofs, and he ultimately he evoked, evoked uh, and invoked a proof. He said, if I'm right, let a heavenly voice ring out and say that I'm right, and that's what happened. A heavenly voice rings out and says, Rabbi Eliezer is right, and yet the sages say, you know, well done. However, we don't rule halacha, Jewish law, by heavenly voices. Torah loy bashamayim, he Torah is not in the heaven. And therefore, we rule based on our understanding, based on the principles of Torah that we've learned and understood. So that is the simple explanation in this story as well. There's a heavenly debate, there's a debate between God and the Hashem himself and the um, heavenly uh, courts of learning, and yet the way to resolve the debate is coming out to this world and asking the opinion of Rabbah. That is the simple explanation to this story. But the Rebbe offers a deeper approach as well. And I want to try to share that in short. And he says, whenever you have two opinions and you go for a third, and you're going to rule according to the third, why are we ruling according to the third? Why is the third better than the first two? So the simple way of looking at it is, well, if you have you know, one and two, so once three rules, so then it becomes two against one. Which means that the third opinion doesn't really add any you know, tremendous uh, depth over here. It's just that this third opinion becomes the deciding opinion because then it becomes two against one. That's one way of understanding it. But really there's a deeper way of understanding it. And that is that a third opinion is really meant to reconcile between the two. So that you have opinion A and opinion B. And A doesn't accept B and B doesn't accept A because they're so different than each other. Um, they, they don't appreciate each other. The real job of the reconciling opinion is to give an approach from a third angle which becomes acceptable both to A and to B. And that's the really the true idea of a third opinion, the reconciling opinion, not just to make it two against one, but to offer a new approach that should work for both opinions. And the Rebbe says that that's really what's going on in this story. There is the approach of the heavenly house of learning, and there is the approach of Hashem. And when they came down to this world and, and they have Rabbah rule, so Rabbah really is not just saying over, when Rabbah says pure, he's not just saying over what Hashem said. So it's two against one. Rather, Rabbah is revealing a new approach by which both of the earlier opinions can agree, and therefore he becomes the reconciling opinion, reconciling approach. And how to understand this? Says the Rebbe the following. The question here is a question of pure or impure. 
In other words, we're looking down at a human being, at a person, and there's doubt. There's doubt whether or about this particular person's purity or impurity, which obviously reflects on some inner flaw of this person, which creates room for doubt, is this person pure or impure? Or as in so many situations in life, we look at a person and we see some flaw, and we're thinking, is this person truly a good person or not a good person? Is the person is pure, holy or not? How do we approach this person? So there is the approach of the heavenly house of study, and they look at the person and they see the person is quite flawed. And therefore they say, you know, this doubt, it, it's flawed. The person is impure. Then you have Hashem's approach. He takes, he looks at it from a higher vantage point. So many times in life that when you look at someone, you know, very closely and with scrutiny, you'll see a flaw. But when you look from a, a higher place, from a higher vantage point, you're able to uh, somehow you're able to see that that flaw is not as significant as it seemed when under scrutiny. Um, from a from a different angle, from a higher vantage point, we're able to excuse, or more than excuse, we're able to see a, a broader picture and see how really this person or situation is really pure. So that the debate between Hashem and the Misifta Derekiah, the house of study, is from which vantage point to look. The house of study is looking from a vantage point, a very, um, again, a very close up, so to speak, vantage point to the problem, scrutinizing the problem and finding its impurity. And Hashem is looking from Hashem's plateau, so to speak, from a higher vantage point, from a, a greater and higher angle, and therefore he says that it's pure. So these two vantage points really don't appreciate each other because each one is coming from their angle. What Rabbah does, what he brings to the table, and Rabbah is down here in this world. Rabbah is down here. Rabbah is able to reveal the purity even from the vantage point that's looking closely at the person. In other words, when Hashem said pure, Hashem was saying, well, from my vantage point, it's pure. But the Mesifta de Rekia says, but let's look closely. From our vantage point, it's not. Rabbah is able to go a step deeper and, and bring out the truth of Hashem's opinion, so to speak. The purity that Hashem said, and Rabbi says, no, this person or this situation is pure even from the worldly vantage point. So he's able to satisfy even the needs of the Mesifta de Rakia, of the heavenly house of study, because he is able to reveal the purity that there is within the person even from the vantage point of scrutinizing the person and seeing them from their own level. And that's what Rabbah brought to the table. When Rabbah says it's pure, he wasn't just saying over what Hashem said that it's pure. He was saying even from the vantage point of this world, even looking very closely at the person and situation, he finds that inner purity within that person and situation. And that's something that could only come from a tzaddik within this world, studying the Torah and, and studying the people from within this world to find the purity and the holiness from within of every individual and every case of doubt. Have a wonderful Shabbos.